0: Welcome to On San Francisco, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the people in politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm columnist Heather Knight, and I'm joined by City Hall reporter Dominic Fercasa. We're interviewing each of the four candidates for mayor so voters have a sense of who's on the ballot on June 5th. We're starting with some serious questions about their policies and why they want to be mayor. Keep listening until the end when we get to the lightning round with fun questions about their favorite burrito joints and where they go for a stiff drink. In this episode, we're talking to London Breed, President of the Board of Supervisors. She was acting mayor following the shocking death of Ed Lee, but was deposed by her colleagues just six weeks later. Her feelings about the past several months are still raw, especially when the name Ron Conway comes up. So we're here today with London Breed, President of the Board of Supervisors. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: First I was wondering if you could walk us through that night that Mayor Ed Lee died and you became acting mayor by virtue of being president of the board. How did you find out he was in the hospital and what happened, can you just kind of describe that night?
1: Yeah, I um, had gotten a lot of phone calls from a lot of folks um, but more specifically um, his uh, chief of staff and um, asking me to get to the hospital right away and they were sending someone to pick me up. And so I went to the hospital, uh, was given an update and was just a bit in a state of shock at how severe his condition was and how things had happened so fast. So it was a very emotional, challenging time for me and for others, especially I know for his family. Um, His daughters were not even aware um, at the time. So I wanted to make sure that we did everything we could to reach out to them before there was anything on the news or anything that went public. And then once his family was notified, I thought it was really important to notify the public um, about what happened right away. Very emotional, very sad, and just very shocking.
0: Right, and what was it like to become mayor in such a sudden and quick way?
1: It was, it's hard to describe, but um, losing the mayor, I felt this incredible responsibility come over me, one that made me feel like I was responsible for everybody and everything that happened in San Francisco. And so part of that was making sure that I reached out to the staff immediately, the people who helped to run the city um, and others and my colleagues, and, and just making sure that folks know that we will get through this challenge. And This is something that, of course, none of us had expected. But at this time, um, people clearly are in shock and are hurting. And so we have to grieve and we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of the city. That was really kind of an instinct that kicked in in terms of my responsibility, my role, and what I needed to do in order to make sure that um, we kept the confidence of the residents of the city that despite, you know, this tremendous loss, um, we will make sure that we continue to move the city forward. Um, And I just know that Mayor Lee would have probably wanted us to do exactly what we did. And, um, you know, that's really basically (laughs) what it was. Right. Thank you.
2: You were mayor for a couple of weeks and then one night you weren't, right? Yeah. Did you you have any sense that it was going to go down like that? I mean, it's been difficult to try to, you know, sort through that from the outside, you know, to to see what was going on. Did you have any sense it was going to go down like that? And can you talk about the little bit of cognitive dissonance that seems to be surrounding the notion that a rich white man needed to be appointed mayor in order to prevent the influence of rich white men from from having influence in city hall
1: yeah and and you know it's it's really hard to uh you know, discuss what I what I try not to do, especially as president of the board, is you know I don't I don't like to tear down my colleagues or tear down other people um, in order to build myself up. You know, the fact is, um, I've said all along: look, whatever decision they decide, I will support it. I don't agree with it, and I'm disappointed with the way that they handled it. It sadly made our city look bad, and it could have been handled better. I was definitely. Um, not willing to agree to certain terms and agree to certain things in order to continue as mayor of the city. And I think what's important is, you know, we learn from a situation like this and and we try to move forward and do better as a city. I I gotta say that um, I'm really... Um, proud of the spirit of San Franciscans and how um, people have really come together around my campaign mostly because they said that they appreciate what I did during the time when we lost the mayor but also they also appreciate the way that I handled things at the board um, when I was removed as acting mayor and I think that's really important, um, you know, to focus on trying to move the city forward and to stay positive. I think it, it's sad how it happened and what happened and words that were spoken, which were hurtful, and I feel, you know, I mean, really offensive.
0: What did you mean when you just said that you weren't willing to do certain things to remain mayor? What, yeah,
1: I, I just, you know, sometimes people ask for. Um, you know, they asked for you to do things as a result. Like, who are you going to appoint to the D five seat, and you know, what are you going to do as it relates to certain things? And there are things that I just wasn't willing to agree to, and I won't get into the details. <laughs> you
0: won't say who was asking you to. I, to I do. won't say
1: specifics, but there were certain things that I'm. I would just say that were su- suggested and were um, just part of the discussions, and um, it's just not something that I was really interested in. Um, Do you
0: think the progressives move might have actually backfired and now you're ahead in the polls getting more money and Mark Leno, who was their favorite, has fallen farther behind? Do you think that maybe this actually will benefit you?
1: I think that people's true colors were shown and I think people were really disgusted by um, many of the comments that were made and what that implied. And so I think, you know, sadly, that really has, I think, resulted into you know, just really, I think, momentum for my campaign and support for my campaign. I also think that, you know, there was support and momentum for my campaign once I decided to run, um, mostly based on the the limited time I served as acting mayor. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to say, but I, I do think that, you know, I mean, every day someone is walking up to me and saying, I am so upset about what they did. And this is like, you know, sometime later and it's still happening.
0: Mark Leno told us and he has said to some other people on the campaign trail that the response um, to what happened was emotional, kind of implying that when um, David Chu was removed as acting mayor and replaced with Ed Lee back in when um, Gavin Newsom went to Sacramento, that it was just the same thing, you know, reoccurring. But it seems like there's a difference this time around. Can you talk about that?
1: I think it had more to do with, of course, it's emotional. I mean, like, I come from nothing. And here I am, president of the board, and I emerged as acting mayor. And there are so many people in the city as a native. They they know me. They raise me. They help support me. They know what I've done for their kids and their families and the, and the community and the Western Edition community. And so yeah it was very emotional, but it's also what was said. Um, it was more about what was said and what was implied um, that really I think was very upsetting to people. Folks felt really disrespected and they felt disrespected because many of them have played roles in my life and I've played roles in theirs.
0: Mm-hmm. You've pushed for um, safe injection sites and it looks like San Francisco will become the first city in the country to have one in July. but um, That won't obviously tackle the entire problem. Um, What is the city's official policy on drug use in the open? Because right now we just look the other way and do nothing. Is that what San Francisco should be doing?
1: I think, I I don't know if it's look the other way and do nothing. I think when, you know, officers who are responsible for enforcing the law, when they see that that's a challenge, then they try and address it um, because drugs technically are illegal to have them in your possession. And um, what we don't want to do is, you know, really criminalize people who have um, addiction challenges. What we want to do, I think, as a compassionate city is to provide services and alternatives and places for people to be where they could get help or treatment. And here's the thing. When you know I heard about safe injection sites uh, when I first became a member of the board, um, I wasn't supportive, and I didn't really completely understand it. And I think that was why it has, has failed um, to gain momentum until I basically took uh, on the responsibility to uh, communicate to the public, I did a whole public awareness campaign, and thanks to the media, we got the word out. We talked about the data and what this could do. With one site, we could save potentially 2.7 million dollars, hospital visits, and trash cleanup, and other things that are associated with these things. And you know, it's working in places like Vancouver and Switzerland. They've been doing it for years. It's improved the quality of life, not just because of one of these sites, but because of a number of things that are being done. And so no one was willing to do the work necessary to just basically get the word out appropriately and just take the risk and try and communicate and take the hits, which I did in the beginning when I put myself out there to support it. And last year, I remember uh, about 30% of San Franciscans polled um, were uh, supportive. And this year, the chamber just released their poll. It showed 67% of San Franciscans actually support opening one of those sites. And that is because of, you know, just the communication and how we approach the issue. And so that's, again, how, how I basically led the effort to communicate and say, let's try it. Because what's happening with the open drug use and the needles all over our streets and in our playgrounds, that's not okay. And we gotta be open to trying different things that sometimes make us uncomfortable.
0: Once one or two is open in July and maybe more after that, what would you want to have happen when people are still near the playgrounds and parks um, injecting drugs?
1: Well, I definitely want enforcement. I definitely want more law enforcement. I wouldn't want a civilian to approach someone because, I mean, it is clearly public safety is important to me and the role of our department is to make sure that these issues are addressed appropriately.
2: Another persistent, you know, problem in the city, and it's also been, you know, a, an important facet of this mayor's race is the city's homelessness problem. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your your homelessness platform because it feels like the city throws a lot of money at this issue, and yet at the same time, it feels on the street, very much in your face, perhaps, perhaps more now than 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 ever. I'm, what would you do differently? What do you want to see change on that issue? The
1: challenge we have is with our homeless population. Many of them have mental health and substance abuse issues. And so if you get someone housed and they have a drug addiction, they're not going to pay their rent. How are we going to keep them housed? And so part of what we have to do as a city is address these issues and meet people where they are. I'm proposing changes to our mental health system right now. You know, we have certain individuals who have large numbers of 5150s, and they're released within 72 hours and there's no real, Uh, change and they're right back on the streets and they're, you know, right back, into a similar situation where they're creating challenges for themselves and other people and sometimes they're not even doing that and so the district attorney's office is uh, right now responsible uh, for uh, addressing those cases in the courts to um, push for conservatorship where you basically take away someone's rights in order to help them and to get them on the right path and get them healthy and so unfortunately that hasn't necessarily worked in the court system and so my legislation um, that I propose is to take it out of the district attorney's office and move it into the city attorney's office so that it's treated like our child conservatorship cases. I mean, these are people who need someone to look out for them and to help them get healthy and help them get the support that they need. And so I think ultimately, if we want real results, we have to change the way that we do things so that they actually work for people rather than sound like they do.
0: The name Ron Conway has come up a lot during this race. Can you explain what exactly your relationship is with him?
1: So, you know, it's really offensive when people um, try and imply somehow that, you know, there's this man behind the curtain who is in charge of my person. <laughs> <laughs> um, like many uh, folks in San Francisco um, that I've worked with, I mean, we're not close, but. Um, I've worked with him and others on, you know, either um, conversations around gun violence and and other issues that are important, that are national issues, um, things that I support. But um, the problem I have with the whole dialogue around Ron Conway is, um, you know, I've, I grew up in poverty. I've worked my butt off to support the community. I ran a nonprofit where I changed and saved lives. In fact, I've gotten certificates from some of the um, at least one of the other, no, some of the other candidates running for mayor for the work I've done in the community, um, I've been praised for that work, and then all of a sudden, you know, I get into elected office, and then that comes with sadly accusations and things that imply something that it isn't. You know, I've made decisions on the board of supervisors um, based on the facts, based on my understanding of the issues, and most important, you know, based on my own life experiences, and so you know, just what people have implied. um, It's offensive, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, sadly, this has been the uh, playbook of, you know, certain people um, in politics for many, many years. And it's just what people do. That's kind of all I want to say about it. I don't want to get into (laughs) being negative about the situation. But it's, 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 it's really offensive. It's just offensive that after everything I've experienced in life and everything I've done in my life, that I would be reduced to being somebody else's person where they control me or tell me what to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, The same people said that Ed Lee was in the pocket of Ron Conway, too. So they're not only picking on you. But can you describe how often you do talk to Ron and what your conversations are like?
1: Um, No, Mm -hmm. I can't. Why would you not ask me to describe my relationship and how I talk to people in the community and others that... Um, are impacted by gun violence or other folks who I work with every single day. I mean, why is it just singled out as someone just because he's a wealthy white man who supposedly controls things in San Francisco?
0: Well, we're asking you because he was the name that was used when the Board of Supervisors removed you from acting mayor. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I think what bothers me the most about, well, I, I won't keep prolonging the subject, but like I said, it's just, um, it's offensive and it's sad and it's pathetic and I just hope that people see through all of that to focus on the issues that we care about as San Franciscans to get the job done. I mean, I have a proven track record of working hard on the board, of getting things done, um, things that no one would even touch, like neighborhood preference, like safe injection sites, like clean power when a lot of folks walked away and gave up on it. I've worked hard to do what I do and to get to where I am. And so I just don't want to linger on uh, someone who's not even... A significant impact in my life.
2: Right now, there's a pretty active conversation going on about about tasers in our city's police force. I'm a little bit confused about your stance on that. Can you just lay that out? Yeah, Um,
1: I put out a statement, um, and I made it clear. I think there were, um, initially, um, I've never said you know, I oppose tasers. What I said was, you know, I uh, am not supportive of giving the police department, and this was a few years ago. I was very concerned about providing... Police officers with an additional tool without real reforms. Um, and so I've worked closely with the chief and the department to try and implement what the Obama administration has recommended as it relates to reforms. 272 reforms uh, that have been recommended, and half of them so far have been implemented. And I'm grateful to this chief and what he's done to try and address some of the most challenging issues in our city. We know that, you know, kind of the use of force and some of the, um, have declined with the department and some of the work that we're doing is, is really moving us in the right direction. Is it perfect? It's not perfect. Um, but when I've talked to a number of, you know, specifically African-American men who I grew up with in the Western edition and asked them, well, what do you think about this debate with the tasers? And they're like, I'd rather, you know, be tased than to be shot. And that is like what they say every single time. Like I haven't heard one african-american man that i've talked to and i've talked to at least 20 25 um, including people like attorney john burris who um, is really he's an attorney for many of the families who sadly have you know, lost um, their children to um, um, gun violence and so um, i think um, for me um, as a candidate for mayor you know i was very torn about whether or not I should support tasers. And I decided based on my conversations with mostly members in the community, specifically the persons who were likely to encounter law enforcement and it likely to end in deadly force, sadly. um, And and so I made my decision um, to support tasers. um, And also as mayor, I'm the mayor of San Francisco and it would be my responsibility to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that they're used properly Properly, and that's why I don't support the ballot measure. Um, the ballot measure, in particular, I mean, I don't support policy making at the ballot box. And so, what the ballot measure does, it it will limit our ability to do what we need to in terms of potentially changes to the policy after, you know, implementing the policy and getting everyone changed. There may be tweaks that need to be made um, to make sure that the policy works for the purpose it is intended to work for. And I don't think um, doing it at the ballot box is appropriate because it will limit our ability to make sure that it's implemented effectively.
0: Some of your opponents have said that you would be a continuation of the moderate mayors we've had in office for the past couple of decades, Willie Brown, Gavin Newsom, and Ed Lee. Can you describe what about um, their policies you liked and would continue, and what would be different about your administration?
1: So I I just think, you know, we're all different personalities, and and again, I, I just... I grew up in the stuff that everyone's trying to fix and the difference I think in, in my, my style has everything to do with, you know, how I lived. Like for example, when I became a member of the board of supervisors, I lived in public housing for over 20 years. We never had a shower. We had roaches, we had plumbing problems. I mean, when you live in conditions like that for over 20 years of your life and you have no other alternative And then you become a member of the board of supervisors and people are still living in those kinds of conditions, then nothing else would be more important to you. And instead of paying lip service, you know, like um, others have done, um, we've, you know, Hope Six and some other programs have helped and we've done some things in in Hunter's Point and other places where there have been some rebuilds, but there were no real plans of action to get many of the dilapidated public housing units in the city rebuilt. The conditions that people were living in were horrible. And so I led that effort. And through the RAD program, um, we got it done. And we're getting it done faster than we would if we had just sat there and done nothing because no one likes to touch public housing. It's a lot of times too controversial. And now we have, in one of the developments, in my district in particular, people have like new windows and no leaks and no plumbing problems. And the fact that we've been able to do that within three years without displacing anyone is so significant. It's happening at Westside Courts, it's happening in the Pings, it's almost finished at Bernal, Alemany. I mean, if you had to live like that, you clearly would make it your priority. And the point is, I worked with Mayor Lee to find a creative solution to make it happen. I don't like to kind of compare and contrast, it's more so I am who I am. I focus on solutions. I focus on being creative to find the right solution. I'm prepared to take risk and to do what's necessary. And I'm really aggressive when it comes to getting things done that I know matter to people. I think the biggest difference um, might be with me and any other politician is that, I wanna see the results, and I'm willing to take risks to get to those results, but also Gavin took a risk to get to those results for gay marriage, you know, like, so I just think that um, it's kinda hard to really say that, I mean, to do a comparison, because there are so many things that have been done, but this is also a new time, a new day, um, and I'm a woman, that's another difference.
0: (laughs) Sure is. Okay, you've survived our serious questions, and now we're going to move on to the fun lightning round. First one is: What is your favorite burrito joint in San Francisco?
1: Poncho Villa. That didn't take long. It's easy. Yeah. Everybody from my neighborhood would go to Poncho Villa, and if someone was, you know, like in their car, because you know, not all of us had cars, and they're like, "Where are you going?" We're going to Poncho Villa, so we'll all pile in the car, drive over to Poncho Villa. That's the spot. Uh, right on. Yeah.
2: On the exceedingly rare day when you have nothing to do, how do you spend it?
1: Well, if I have nothing to do, which is very rare, I will take the whole day and go to Napa. I don't care if it's raining, and I'll just kind of go to a winery and hang out and relax, and I won't even look at my cell phone.
0: What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco?
1: Shoot. Oh, man. Whoa. That's a hard one. We've
0: stumped some of your (laughs) colleagues on this one, too.
1: I, you know, cause I haven't watched a movie in a long time and I'm trying, I can't even remember. Oh, you know what? It's cause it's fun and it's playful. I would just say Mrs. Doubtfire. I remember when all the traffic was stopped when that was being filmed and how cool that was. I mean, Robin Williams filmed a lot of movies in San Francisco and he was somebody I loved and followed a lot. So, um, uh, I would say that probably was, uh, maybe one of my favorites.
2: When you are showing folks around who hadn't who haven't been here before, where do you like to take them? And do you ever, when they're out on their own, recommend that they avoid any neighborhoods?
1: Yeah, I never recommend they avoid. I always, uh, if I personally take them, I take them to Lumbar Street. I take them to the Golden Gate Bridge. I take them to Golden Gate Park and Haight-Ashbury. I take them to Twin Peaks, um, Alamo Square, the Painted Ladies. I mean, I can go on and on, but um Yeah, I mostly take people anywhere in San Francisco. And, you know, like any urban city, San Francisco has its challenges. But I I don't tell uh, people to avoid any specific location. But I do tell people not to leave any valuables in their car.
0: After a long day, where do you like to go for a stiff drink?
1: Well, um, I'm not really... um, I know this is boring, but I don't really like to drink anything other than good red wine. So uh, most of the time... um, if I meet my friends for dinner, I really like to go to dinner. Like I like to go to dinner and I like to eat good food and I like to hang out with my friends and talk about stuff. And so Sheba Lounge, um, it's an Ethiopian uh, restaurant with live music at night in the Fillmore. I kind of go, that's like my my kitchen, my living room and everything else is like the one of the you know best places in San Francisco, like one of those hidden jewels. And I spend a lot of time there because I, I get fed almost every night there.
2: You're, of course, born and raised in San Francisco, London. Um, I'm just curious, as you think back, is there a pivotal year in this city that stands out to you? If you had to narrow down to your best year, what what might
1: that be? The best year? Oh, my goodness. Oh, shoot. I mean, I probably would say maybe the year when after we remodeled the African-American Art and Culture Complex and we had a grand reopening And, um, it was amazing because, you know, we had redid the bathrooms, the entryway, the gallery space. I mean, it was like a whole new building. The elevator worked and I grew up going to this place as a kid and to have the ability to not only be the director, but to help to guide these kinds of improvements. It took a lot of work, a lot of money. And that opening that year, it was really amazing because I remember, kids just seemed really happy people in the community seemed really happy there were a lot of events happening in the neighborhood and in the african-american art and culture complex it just felt like things were were looking up i mean the the relationships between the police and the community because the first year the kids wouldn't even talk to the police who would come to the center the next year they gave them a little nod with their head the following year they gave them a fist bump and so then it got to the handshakes you know so It felt like we made so much progress. So I I think I would say that year that we reopened the center um, after significant renovation, um, it just was like a new day for the community.
0: And voters in June will get to rank their top three choices for mayor. Assuming they pick you first, who should they pick second and third?
1: I have been having a really hard time thinking about this question. Um, You know, maybe had I thought um, that I would have listed any of the other candidates. I probably wouldn't be running in the first place. (laughs) They should
0: do London, London, London.
1: Um, I'm still thinking about that. And I just think, um, you know, it's just been, it's been really challenging. There are so many um, concerns that I have about the future of the city. And again, if I had thought that any of the other candidates um, would take San Francisco in the right direction and be good mayors, I wouldn't be running myself.
2: I'm just curious about 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 your home life. Like, how long have you been at your current spot? Yeah. Have you moved around a lot? Yeah. yeah.
1: So I was. Um, I've been at where I live um, since 2012. Um, I lived um, on Golden Gate for over 10 years. Um, Golden Gate and Steiner. Um, so mostly in the neighborhood. And um, it had a lot to do with lit, yeah, the rent going up and also just some of the challenges with the building. Um, but I, I found a good landlord. Um, she actually passed away. And so our building just sold not too long ago. So I was really nervous at one point about the possibility of losing my housing security. But I'm still there. Um, what street and- is that? I don't want to tell people where I live, (laughs) um, but I live in the Lower Haight, and um, I have some great neighbors, and um, it's tough, you know, it's tough, and you know what it feels like when you don't feel secure um, in your housing situation, and who knows what could happen. I mean, me and my uh, roommate and then my neighbors, we tried to pull our money together and buy the building, and we we couldn't get it together based on, you know, how much we all make. And, uh, it was really, uh, a challenging time, but so far so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, but it could happen anytime. I mean, the owners of the building could decide they want to move in or, um, anything else could happen for that, that matter. Are
0: you looking for a new roommate?
1: I, I was until, you know, I became acting mayor and, and just hadn't had time to figure it out. And so, um, I probably will be, especially if I don't win. <laughs>
0: I think you're good if you win. (laughs) Okay, last question. Assuming you do win in June and you're inaugurated, what would be your very first act as mayor?
1: Ooh, goodness. I have so many things I want to do. But I I do think that um, one of my um, first acts as mayor is to make sure um, that we focus on addressing what I care about around homelessness and and mental health and substance abuse challenges in the city. So I would make sure that those things are on track and we move those things forward aggressively, um, to address what we know is happening on our streets. So I'd probably give like a direct order to not uh, remove anyone from the navigation centers and the shelters and begin the possibility of exploring 24 hour shelters. And so a lot of, what I would begin to work on immediately would have everything to do with homelessness and the quality of life and trying to get certain things on track right away.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network. Our theme music is San Francisco by Goss Prom, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by Dominic Fercasa and Fernando Diaz. For more City Hall coverage, you can follow Dominic on Twitter at Dominic Fricasa and me at HNightSF. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.